Hi, my name is Gary Garth. I'm the author of the Zero to 100 Million Sales Blueprint. I'm going to be on the Business Growth Architect Show, and we're going to talk about how to create a framework to scale your company from zero to 100 million. Welcome to the Business Growth Architect Show. I am Beata Shalet. I am the host. I want to welcome you to our globally top 10% ranked podcast, where you will hear from industry experts about the strategies that are working right now to unlock hidden opportunities in any market so that you can grow your authority and scale your impact. And now let's get started with the show. Welcome back, everyone. This is Beata Shillette, your host of the Business Growth Architect Show. Today, I'm talking to Gary Garth. And Gary, you are the embodiment of sales and sales systems. And we are, I have so many questions, it's not even funny. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. For somebody who does not know who you are, shockingly, or has not read your book, The Zero to 100 Million Sales Blueprint, will you tell them who you are and what you do, please? Absolutely. I'm a sales dude with a capital S, as you refer to, but I'm also a serial entrepreneur. I've, I've launched and exited now six companies. Some of that capital gains has, has led me to become a part-time angel investor. So, so I'm involved in, in several projects. I've uh, worked very intensively with sales from a digital marketing standpoint for the last 15 years now, close partnerships with you know, the major plat platforms, publications like Google and Microsoft, and have led both direct sales efforts, onboarding thousands of clients, uh, have managed sales teams with now over a thousand reps in total, and onboarded hundreds of resellers through channel sales, channel sales programs, that is. So I've, I've touched upon, safe to say, the good, bad, and the ugly of all the different shapes and forms that you can sell, hire people, create systems, and, and deploy new client acquisition strategies, so to speak. Right now, I'm very focused on a few projects. I just recently published my book, as you referred to, also a planner. And uh, right now, I'm uh, very much in the trenches working on a project called Elevate.io, a growth accelerator for B2B companies and the addiction treatments and the industry particularly. I don't say this very lightly, and I don't say this very often, but I think you know your stuff. And I, I really like what I've seen, aside from me being a systems and strategy fanatic. And, you know, this is everything that I'm seeing here. So so clearly, it's an immediate love story. But in the book, the zero to 100 million sales blueprint, the first thing that really stood out for me was that it actually teaches the reader how to build a system. And as I'm looking through this, and I have not finished the book, but I'm about a third in, and I'm highlighting, and I'm constantly you know, talking to the people that I just hired to be my sales. Did you read that? Did you get the book? Because it's exactly you know, the appointment setter, and, it is the, and it's the method, and how do you build the funnel, and then how do you tell them to get rid of the tire kickers early on and, get, and vet the people that are the serious people. So there's so much, so much in there. So the first question I have for you, in the book, you've been described as somebody who cannot help himself when you walk on the sales floor. You will pick up a phone and you will have that phone conversation. What makes you love sales so much and why do other people hate it so much? Good question. I think I've, I've learned to love it over time by embracing the notion of for doubling down on your strengths and delegate the rest. If I rewind the clock, say 25 years back when I took my first sales job, I was the furthest you can come from a sales superstar. I was shy, introverted. I was not particularly eloquent. I was not, 
I didn't have the, the context that you would consider as a natural born sales per, per, person, but I had a lot of attributes that, that pushed me in that direction. And I was, you know, I was hungry for growth, significance, making an impact and, and making, making a career out of it. So that, that pushed me down that direction. And then as over time, I, I learned to embrace it. So as with everything else, you know, if you dive full fledged into it and pick up any, any book you can read on the subject and, and start studying it intensively, then you will set yourself apart from from the rest. It doesn't take more than that conscious effort, so to speak. I think that most people don't feel comfortable with sales because they fear rejection, right? That's underlying in, in, in many of us. And uh, they see it as a personal rejection instead of just looking at it. It's like it's not necessarily that the prospect doesn't have a, a challenge or a problem that my a solution can solve at the given point of time and 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 that and when that comes everything comes down to it's about timing right it's about persistence and discipline around it so sales i always say it's not something you can do like as a part-time job or like an 80 percent effort it actually requires 120 percent effort you need to go all in with it and that's why when you're a founder, a business owner, especially in the early stage of building a company, you need to make sure that you either embody embody sales fully, right? And, and you make that a priority. And if not, then if it, it's not in your DNA, if you're just reluctant about the fact of talking and pitching people, then you should very quickly identify who's the right person to come in and fulfill fill those shoes, because otherwise it's going to be an uphill battle. So are you telling me that this myth that so many entrepreneurs, expert coaches, consultants are having, that they have to take yet another course and get really good at something that they may not naturally be good at, that that is not a good idea when it comes to sales? I, I put it from the perspective that I, in my last project, we were very fortunate to experience exponential growth in a company I, I was the founder of for 10 years and, and exited in 2020. And I was your non-conventional CEO, but I was very sales, customer-centric. It was all about sales, and we exploded with sales over time. But as we grew as a company, as you know, a, a company evolves. We, at one point, had hundreds of employees and thousands of clients. It was more about systems, processes, KPIs, and it was a lot about a lot of financials associated with it. And I remember my board of directors at that point sent me to to Harvard to take uh, finance for senior executives, three 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 different courses on rather like a CEO <laughs> needs to be equipped with that financial knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized I was sitting there at campus in Boston studying all these complex algorithms and so forth. I was like, what am I doing here, right? Why am I not just embracing what really took the company to the stage and double down on that and then figure if we need another CEO who can take that and I step into another role that's more sales related, then let me do that, right? But uh, I think that's the first and foremost, identify what drives you, what you're passionate about and, and double down on that. Yes, I, I think that's needed. Don't focus too much on your weaknesses. I don't think that's going to take you anywhere. You're not going to be working out of a place of motivation, uh, curiosity and constant pursuit of improvement. Uh, you won't get that otherwise. Yeah, I mean, you said in your book that you got so quickly so into sales that you were selling all kinds of things. <laughs> there, There's a part where you say that you have learned that sales is not directly correlated to the quality of the product. So 
That is a very shocking and controversial statement. Mm -hmm. So I want to spend a little bit of time on this and I want to come at it from the perspective of the experts that we work with, right? Because Mm -hmm. they constantly work on the course, on the program, on the presentation, on the keynote and the timing and the practicing and the rehearsing and the redoing of the slides. And then somebody professional is redoing the slides one more time. Then the branding is not right. The company colors have to be changed. I mean, you know where I'm going with this. And you say, stop it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tell me what am I missing as I'm obsessing over all these things that social media tells me, what does it need to look like? How is it being perceived? And you say, forget all of that. What should I focus on instead? Yeah, so there's just so many. And I know this throughout my most recent ventures, where as an angel investor, I pitched hundreds of times from hopeful entrepreneurs with great ideas and groundbreaking new concepts and you know just things that you know this had tremendous potential but just getting stuck in analysis paralysis and doing focus groups and understanding how they should look like and doing research and so forth there's nothing that can substitute the process of picking up the phone or going out speaking directly with the prospective customers asking them how will this help them in the day-to-day? Will this make the desired impact? What are they looking to accomplish? If they were to partner with you, would this make sense? Then adding it with monetary value, obviously, so that you get paid for it. It's not just for experimentation. That's the true market research you can do. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they leave that to the end of the equation, right? Whereas, you know, it's like... There's a lot of the popularized concept of MVP and going out and, and, and testing your product at a small scale. You know, words like firing bullets, then cannonballs once you prove the concept. I mean, that is incredibly powerful. But the best way to do that is isolating a market, a segment, a, a specific demographic, and then going out and, and testing it. And once you prove the concept, you crack the code on it. So that's when you want to double down and scale things up, I would say. Brings me right to the next thing. You have written... In here, a line that I immediately highlighted and put my little orange marker. And you said, we learned it wasn't about the product, our competition or the market situation. We just needed to create a better story. When it comes to creating products and services, I am the subject matter expert. I know with all the years of experience what my clients need. Do they know what they need? No, I think that's where it's good. (laughs) <laughs> to to find somebody who's an expert in, in that category and, and getting that angle. I mean, storytelling, incredibly powerful, right? But in that given scenario that I refer to, it's just like I had sold a lot of products and solutions that were no way superior in the market, but still we were leading from a revenue standpoint because we were very good at, at positioning in it and <laughs> adding a, a compelling narrative, you, leveraging all the principles of persuasion and simply just selling it to the core of, of emotions, which then drive intentions and take actions from it. So that's where I'm coming from. That scenario, I believe, is when I was selling broadcast advertising for five years for a number fifth ranked radio station in Denmark. By no means were we in any shape or form competitive. It was like we were the lead, the last in the food chain, so to speak, from a from a preference for these media agencies. But when we all of a sudden, by coincidence, come across the narrative that when you reached out and then you created, like you made, made sure to add a, an element of social proof and there was some scarcity, a sense of urgency when you presented it. Instead of saying like, hey, we're calling to see if this might be interested and do you have challenges with acquiring customers? Instead, the narrative was like, listen, 
This is a proven concept. Uh, we had another advertiser who's completely booked up. So there's a little bit of availability. They would like to sell this at a discounted rate so that you can test it. Not exactly in those words, but by communicating that indirectly assuming it's success for somebody else, it's limited. It's only this given there's not a lot of flexibility. All of a sudden, you're appealing to all the emotions of why they want to try it because everybody wants to be fully booked or experience what we portray with that. So that's how storytelling and how you know script building and the narrative and how you're positioning, everything ties up from understanding your audience, how you're communicating it. In other words, sending the right message to the right people at the right time, that it's aligned with your website, that you understand your competition and how you position yourself uniquely as a, as a differentiator in that market. And that all your sales collateral for that matter is completely aligned with that. So when you refer to this as a blueprint, it's because I'm saying that's that's not one silver bullet. People ask me that all the time. What's it going to take for us to double our revenue this year, Gary? So if I had that magic wand, I could tell you that one thing, I would be just like any other consultant on social media trying to <laughs> tell you a hack on what it is. It's just not as simple as that. It's a sequence of different things you need to put in place. In other words, you need a framework in order to, to attain those side results. That I agree with you that you have to figure out what an approach is of how you go out. So there's a concept, which I'm sure all of our listeners have heard, good enough is good enough, minimal viable product. When you go and you test a message, you find that there is a pushback from the business owner or the team that has spent so much time, money, and energy of arriving at the message that they're presenting mm -hmm. you with. And then yes. you look at this and you go, this shit. Of course, you can't say it like that. You have to say it a little bit more diplomatic. What does it take for people to recognize on whether or not what they do is working and whether or not the message that they're using is working? Yeah, perfect. I, I love that. First and foremost, I think you need to establish all the right metrics for what you're trying to accomplish, depending on where is this messaging going out? Is it an email sequence that you're sending out? Is it your website landing page? Then, you know, you can engage, you can look at user engagement, conversion rates, you can look at reply rates, how many emails you're sending out versus meetings booked, how many replies. If you establish all those metrics, then you can better align well, is this something that's resonating with people, right? And then you can start benchmarking it versus industry standards. Many people, like I see time and time again, they put in together a, a pitch deck or an email sequence reaching out, or they have a post-purchase uh, activation process, with, and they're simply not sending the right message. It's simply by measuring it and measuring those, those metrics and having a system which is repeatedly optimized. That's when you can start doing proper A-B split testing, right? I mean, it's very common for marketers, but doing it from an overall business messaging standpoint and a sales process or client intake, uh, then it's different. Not everybody does it. And so I would I would say, let the, let the numbers do the talking, right? Like I put in my book in chapter six, and God we trust everybody else brings data. So I know that messaging is not always completely black and white, but if you what you're looking for is what's the perceived value? How are people interpreting my message? Is, is it resonating with them? And then change it accordingly, I would say. And the simplicity is compelling. Look at your bank account and I can tell you if it's working or not. <laughs> yeah. And then like a very good example is with my own venture, for instance, we focus a lot on on like it's 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 three three areas we help 
from a revenue optimization standpoint, one is lead generation, just making sure the funnel is full. And then second is like CRM optimization or implementing systems, technology that makes sure things doesn't fall through the crack. The last element is then sales process architecting, or in other words, sales enablement, making sure that we convert at the highest rate possible, et cetera, get more wins. And surprisingly, my own campaigns and everything was very focused on lead generation and so forth, because that's where my experiences came from last marketing agency. And surprisingly, you know, my, my sales off team came back and said, Gary, everybody wants to talk to you about sales and systems. Nobody wants to talk to you about marketing, right? So the best way to do it is put it into some systems and I'll read sales enablement platform and then start testing different messaging. Nowadays, can set up serious different emails, different email aliases, connect it up with different users within your platform, and then start replicating. So you can very quickly get the the, the feedback you're, you're looking for, collect the feedback. When I wrote the book, I and this was not a concept I came up with, but I started to run a few ads on, on Facebook just with testing the different cover images to see what worked best, what gave the highest click to rate. They couldn't purchase at that point, but at least I saw what would engage with people, right? And the title that I had, man, I had in mind, scratch, that went out the window. That was not at all what gave the highest click through it. Yeah. I mean, do you see with your clients that it is very difficult to detach your personal emotion and your love affair with what business owners create with the actual reality mm-hmm. of what resonates? Extremely difficult. I don't know for what your experiences are, but it's Oh my God. Is- I'm like bleeding <laughs> profusely from several wounds right now. Yeah, it's bruising, <laughs> Gary, bruising when you yeah. go out and you I'll give a, a tangible example so people know exactly what I'm talking about. So I was one hundred thirty five thousand dollars in debt, single mom immigrant. And then mm-hmm. I had 10 years of just brutal hardship. And then I thought it'll never happen. And then I sold my business to Bill Gates for millions. And then from the worst moment to the best moment, we're talking 18 months. When you're done with this, all I want to talk about is like, here it is. It's all easy. It's all good. Nobody (laughs) wants to talk about that. Everybody wants to know, how do you did it? Uh, How did you do this as a single mom? What were you thinking? What was your mindset? How did you get back up? Why did you not give up? And like, I don't really want to talk about this anymore because I feel like I'm beyond that. So is there a messaging mismatch? And I'm asking this obviously for the reason of helping our audience to understand that what they think their big ticket hook is, right, may not be what the hook is that other people perceive. So can we give them some pointers on that? I'm I'm, I'm going to extract as much knowledge as I can. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so it depends all on what company, the size of your company and who's running your teams. But as I put in my books, for instance, I think it's very much aligned with what I see nine out of 10 companies that the marketing team and the sales team are completely siloed and not necessarily operating with a unified strategy with the same metrics, same KPIs, et cetera. Sometimes marketing has a perception of what the, the, the market wants to hear and how we should position our products. What's the most effective ways to communicate that? And, and sales will have a completely different interpretation, right? Maybe speaking with prospects and, you know, start unpacking the layers of, of different objectives there may be. So the best way I would say is to align those departments better, right? Making sure that you know, whatever you communicate, whatever collateral you're creating, that everything is is considered from a sales enablement standpoint, completely unified with marketing. It's not a, a presentation that came on on some research on total addressable market and firmographics, demographics, and then doing a lot of focus group. But it's actually, okay, let's try to understand prospects who told us no. Let's let's try to understand what made clients go forward with a product. 
Let's really understand what makes clients stick with us in the long term. Let's try to understand you know, all the different kinds of interactions they have with us. How many interactions? When do they appreciate it the most? What questions are needed to be asked and so forth? There's so many different layers that you have to add to that equation in order to make it really impactful. So I don't know if that's what you was looking for, but that's typically, from my experience, how you come up with a lot of hidden hidden gems or things that you hadn't factored in by somebody sitting in in a department across across the room that you have never factored in of asking their opinion and all of a sudden they have that golden nugget that's just going to pivot your messaging from and make it very powerful. Um, you are absolutely correct is that a lot okay. of times is that the business owner or the person in charge, they're never on the ground floor actually listening to the people that they're serving. And that's where the disconnect happens. And then it just gets mm-hmm. bigger and bigger and bigger the more the more layers in the hierarchy are there. So we yes. are on the podcast with Gary Garth. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this message. Are you looking for the hidden opportunities for you in this market? Or are you simply wanting to figure out what is your unique differentiation factor that makes clients want to work with you and not your competitors? If this resonates, I want to invite you to go to UncoverySession.com and schedule your 15-minute complimentary Uncovery Session with one of our business growth advisors that will take you through what your number one business growth blocker is, what you can do to remove it, and what your very best next step should be. And now let's get back to the show. Beate Schillett here with Gary Garth talking about everything around sales. And our focus on the podcast today is to talk about really how to understand on getting this product message in front of people in the right way. And we were just talking about that sometimes I think that people should react a certain way because that is what I want them to be. Somebody called this, by the way, a phantom av- uh, avatar. I love the term. He says, so if you're <laughs> yes, creating a product and you sell it to a phantom avatar, you are saying, I need to put my ear on the ground floor. And no matter how bad it hurts or no matter on whether it is what I want to hear or not, I need yeah. to figure out what resonates with my customers, my clients, my prospects. And then I need to find more people that are just like that. So If I am now looking at your book, the zero to 100 million sales blueprint, and you, you're taking me through this step by step. So number one, now I figured out that I am a great visionary. I'm really lousy in follow up. I need to bring in somebody who can help build the follow up, the proper funnel, the methods, the appointment setter, the whatever, the, Mm -hmm. the, the, the closer so that I can, I can be out. I can, you know, bring the leads in and I can be Mm -hmm. responsible for that. And then they are responsible for guiding them through that. So how many steps are there in setting up a sales system? And is there a particular size of a company where you say, this is the point that you need to start thinking about this? Or would you say to anyone at any size, you don't have sales, you're dead? I would say the latter. I always said I would rather have a fulfillment problem than a sales problem. As long as you have revenue and cash flow in order, you can solve most challenges or hire consultants or, or, or folks to help you out with whatever pain points you're experiencing. A sales blueprint, I would say the sooner the better, right? Because we all know that you the opportunity loss sometimes is difficult to quantify. And I say that by 
so many times you see companies launch and then they pivot and that whole pivoting process is super expensive, right? So trying to get it right as quickly as possible is extremely valuable. It's It also has that the hidden cost of when you start scaling your, your sales team, if you don't have the right blueprint in place in terms of who to hire, how to train them, how to onboard them, what kind of systems documentation do you have in place? And is it the most effective way to do things? You can experience a high uh, level of attrition because in sales, the attrition is higher than any other industry, right? So statistically speaking, you got two out of three reps never hitting the quota and most reps not even making it beyond one, two years in the given roles. So the amount of energy, resources, money that you're going to be pouring in to start scaling a sales team and all the burn leads that you pay thousands of dollars to generate just for them that they inquire an interest about your company especially the smaller your total addressable market the more cautious you got to be about burning leads and and not ruining your reputation your brand in that industry so i would say long story short the sooner the better to that note there's also two things i like to mention is that I learned this the hard way myself, for instance, scaling different, several different pro- projects. I, I learned that I had a certain given talents to, to, for instance, create a sales playbook. I call it sales process architecting. So, you know, how do we make sure that we create a sales blueprint that's based on the proper market research compared to the research mystery shop? We understand everything and anything there is about the market we're about to penetrate. We test the messaging, then we deploy it. We understand what does a sales rep need to say, right? How should they communicate it? Which sequence of emails should they be sending out? What's the sales process look like in terms of, is it a discovery call, then a demo call, then a capabilities overview, then an ROI calculation, and then a closing call, then a proposal call. How does that look like? And what's the expected conversion rate throughout that process? What kind of interactions is expected? And what kind of sales collateral do they need? So once you start mapping all that out, you'll start to create a pretty big checklist of what you need to get done in order to effectively move uh, prospects down the funnel. Uh, Then comes hidden elements as, okay, what does the client onboarding look like? So we mitigate customer churn and create client advocates. Which percentage of of customers should we upsell, cross-sell? And how do we do that process effectively without causing potential churn by mismanaging expectations? So it's so extensive. So I would say one thing that I learned is that everybody can get this done. But sometimes you need one person, either internal or you go out and find an external consultant that can create the blueprint for you. And then you can find somebody else to execute it. But finding somebody that can both create the blueprint and execute it is very difficult. And I know that firsthand from deploying many projects and I would hire VP of sales, chief revenue officers from big established companies that were larger than me. Whereas this is the guy I need to take things to the next level so I can focus on this other project and they can execute an XYZ. But maybe they came in and they have never created the blueprint. They were masters of execution and following these processes that were pre-established. Maybe they had uh, a certain other layers of operational support, marketing support that I could not provide in my given project. So there's a big, big difference about you know creating the framework, the blueprint, identifying what's needed and how to piece it together, how to do all the troubleshooting and then deploy it and then having somebody come in and follow it. So that's depending on where you are and your, your resources, your capital, and you know, have you proven the concept? That's where I would make all those different considerations on how to how to get that done. In my experience, it really depends on what size of company you want to run. I think there is nothing wrong if, especially on the hard-centered entrepreneurs, I find sometimes that they are very much on the the lower end of things because they just want to make enough money to X. 
but then they're heart-centered. And I always wonder, is like, well, if you're a heart-centered entrepreneur, wouldn't your goal have to be to impact as many people as possible with your goodness? If you're playing at the $150,000, you're really not making that kind of impact. Mm -hmm. Actually, it sounds rather mediocre to me. And yeah. then when you say that, then they get pretty upset with you because you, you're challenging their... The size of the sales process has to match the size of the impact that you want to make. Is that yes. correct? Right. Absolutely. So I work with companies where they do the conventional way. They, they design a product or solution and do all the necessary research. They have the whole supply chain in, in place and they deploy it. And then they start by hey, hiring a sales guy and they have a website and they start building it out instead of like flipping it the other side, other way around and say, okay, what's the best way we can go to market with this? If we do not want to leave any stone unturned, if we want to mitigate the failure rate so to speak the high chance of not generating sales as we're projecting it maybe it's better to create a proper plan in place but giving it all the bells and whistles yes that can wait after maybe you prove the concept but before you start adding several sales people that's when i say that that's when you want to invest into that if it's not working now uh, don't bring anybody on to help you do more of what's already not working. <laughs> then hire somebody Story who can point. help you figure out what is not working and then rather pay that person to put that in place and then build it up. I like this idea of the, you know, the scaling slowly. I think as I was reading, as I am reading your book still, there's a part of it where I feel like you're standing behind me and you're constantly kicking me in the rear. Thank you. For that, where it's like, well, what is taking you so long to figure this out? The information is is already out there. You wrote the book. Uh, it's really easy for everybody to pick this up and say, if you know, and I want to be clear because we talk about strategy to grow your authority and scale your impact on this podcast all the time. Mm -hmm. The only way you have authority is if you sell enough to enough people to make the impact you came here to do. You're not making any sales. You don't have authority. Mm -hmm. uh, you have followers. That's that. But if they don't convert. That is a social media illusion. Authority yeah. is when you actually have people who you can impact with the work that you do. Absolutely. The rest is vanity metrics, I would say. So. Vanity metrics, yes. And how easy is it to fall prey to that, to say, I got yeah. a bunch of likes today. If you're an impact-driven company, and most of our listeners are, it's all about impacting people. You got to get the sales process in place to impact them. So where mm -hmm. can we find your book, Gary? Thank you. Uh, go to my website, garygarth.com, G-A-R-Y-G-A-R-T-H.com. I guess it will be in the show notes as well. You go to the book section, the zero to 100 million sales blueprint. And I have a special promotion for your listeners as advice. You go to my page. It's a coupon code during the checkout process. You want to type in growth architect, all small letters, all in one. Once you do that, the price will be discounted from $30 to zero. Uh, again, from 30 to zero by typing in the coupon Growth Architect. I hope every single listener will take advantage of it. The book is uh, endorsed by a lot of excellent sales leaders I had the privilege of working with, endorsed by the head of sales at Google, Microsoft, Meta, and etc. So there's a lot of great learnings that I've accumulated over the years by working with great people that I applied into 420 pages of end-to-end -end sales blueprint. And if you just apply one, two concepts... Money back guarantee, even though it's for free. I will second that. You know, I, I certainly read my fair shares of, of business books and sales books. What I did like about your book, you know, so much 
is that I have not seen a book that actually shows you how to build the system. Nobody has gone in and kind of went through the tactics and the mechanics of it and says, here's the basic framework, here's a basic blueprint on how it needs to be set up. There's uh, graphics in there. You've been very detailed. I don't often endorse books, but this book has my full endorsement because I think it is so spot on. And for everybody listening, I am imploring you, get the book, read it, Take a highlighter and a pen and find your starting point. Thank you so much for that endorsement. I, I, I love to see all your own highlights in the book. I'm glad that you're finding some value about it. And Gary, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was sure fun. And that's it for us today. Thank you so much for listening and watching. And don't forget to get a copy of the book, Get Your Sales process figured out people that is the number one most important message that i have for you for this entire month thank you so much this is piat schlett and goodbye thank you for listening to or watching the show we are so excited that you're here and we are very grateful for you now it's our turn to ask you for help please do share this episode with one other person that needs to hear what we were talking about today a five-star review and a comment is very appreciated because it helps us to get the word out to more people because we get better rankings. If there's any question you have about business, please do reach out to us and let us know. And don't forget to schedule your complimentary Uncovery Session at UncoverySession.com, where one of our business growth advisors will help you to figure out what your number one business growth blocker is in only 15 minutes. And that's it for us today. Until next time.